We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the pod is the roof, the official UNC basketball podcast of the field of 68. I'm your host, Riley Davis, joined as always by my co-host, Jacob Karabatsis. And today we have a very special guest joining us for the first time. First guest of the pod is the roof, actually, is uh, the Ringers, very own Tate Frazier, host of One Shining Podcast, a Carolina graduate, class of 2015, like me. So, Tate, appreciate you being on, man. How are you doing? Yeah, great to be here, fellas. I like the name. Very catchy. Uh, that was awesome when Michael Jordan was just like uh, soaking in tequila and just said to the entire <laughs> Dean Dome crowd, the ceiling is the roof. We all didn't know what the hell he was talking about, but we knew we wanted to beat Duke that night. And we knew that Larry Fedora had gotten us the Jordan brand. So we were fired up and uh, the rest is history. It's great to be here. Great to talk about Carolina basketball. And uh, we need more places where people are talking about Carolina basketball. I always say that. So it's uh, it's great to see you fellas doing the Lord's work. Hey, I appreciate that. And you know, that, that harkens back some good memories of Larry Fedora and his like schmedium polos yeah. at, uh, at basketball Alexa, games. Mike Those Gundy, are... eat your heart out. Look at Larry Fedora. <laughs> you know I mean, he, he was, he was better than you. He was better at it. So there you go. Good times. Good, good time. JK, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. You know, it's a, it's always a pleasure to hop on here and talk the UNC hoops, especially as we're about to heat up into feast week here. It's going to get a, it's going to get riveting. We're going to see what the guys are made of. Um, just know the UNC Revenge Tour is here this year. I'm just going to oh, go ahead and put that out there. Like it. Hey, I like don't, don't spoil it. We'll get to previews eventually. But <laughs> yeah, like you said, Feast Week, man, it's one of the best weeks of the year. Just feels like a miniature version of March. Uh, it's a, a needed distraction from the football team at this time. And, uh, you know, these reports. Uh, you know what? We've criticized Mac Brown enough on this. I'm going to stay in my No, I'm going to keep weeks. criticizing him. <laughs> Mac, it's time, man. It's time to go run the recruiting. Run the recruiting. That's fine. You want to still do that. But we got to have someone a little more competent on the sidelines, unfortunately. <laughs> I just feel like Mac has Sparky Woods over there, and we love Sparky. <laughs> and Sparky's just not like, I mean, as much as he wants to be the analytics brain, I don't think Sparky is ever going to be the analytics brain. And uh, yeah. I feel like that's the problem, but, uh, you know, I love Mac Brown. Mac Brown can do whatever he wants. Carolina football, it's like, that's Mac Brown's playground. Just let him It's have true. Fun. I do like the four stars and the five stars. I like that we got Drake May. He should be the number one pick. He probably won't be, but he should be. So I do, but we maybe save him from the Chicago Bears. True. Uh, so this is good news. And if Mac can beat NC State and beat Duke this year, I'll let him off. I'll let him slide. You know what I mean? And then and then we can build the hype back up during the offseason and – you know, that we'll go back down. to the roller coaster. We know how it goes, fellas. Carolina football, just when you buy all the way in, <laughs> it's going to come crashing down. So we're using yeah, the Carolina football is like when you're hot at the blackjack table and you're, right. and you're just hitting on everything. Yes. And the then other, the other shoe will drop. You know <laughs> and you know, it's every single year. You know, the, the problem is that we launched this podcast probably like right after the 6-0 and start. Maybe we launched it when Carolina was 5-0, and so like we haven't planned this at all, but every podcast just starts out with us like complaining about the recent happenings in Carolina football. But That's how you know that we're a football school, though, you know what I mean? Like we do care. People try to act like we don't care. We care about Carolina football. We just we just understand what's going to happen, and I mean, they should have been up 21-0 to against Clemson. We we can leave it at that. We, oh, we all man. know what it is, and then, yep. you know, game over. And my and our king, Sam Howe, still leading the league in passing yards, by the way. 
just uh, uh just try to make a comeback this weekend couldn't quite do it but uh yeah. i don't like that he lost to tommy devito that, that no. me it's okay. you, you, you never want to lose to a guy who's still living with the parents not a good yeah. look Tough look, but we still love yeah. you, Sam. You're still out there. You're still fighting a good fight. Shout out to Q1. We got we got some good right. quarterbacks on the way. You know what I mean? It's I true. like Connor I think I think good we're 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 okay, fellas. We're okay. Now let's talk about the basketball because now I got some real concerns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. We might let's let's start right off the back with any concerns then. Cause I actually I'll say like that that UC Riverside game encouraged me. I agree like, with that. Yes. And that's where I was going to say it wasn't all negative from this weekend. I know Riverside lost a ton of production from last year, but Mike McPio is really well regarded in like coaching circles and everything, what he's done at that program to at least get them relevant in the Big West. Uh, it's pretty remarkable to where it's not like, you know, they're not a good team this year by any stretch, but it's not, it's not like a, I don't know, a Southland or Ohio Valley sub 300 team or something that we steamrolled. Um, but yeah, Tay, what were, what were your biggest takeaways from this game or, and you can even my, use that to maybe jump off like some of the, the bigger takeaways you've had this year so far. My biggest takeaway is don't let the season be over by the end of Feast Week. That's my biggest takeaway. Last year, you play Iowa State. You let Caleb Grill basically get in Caleb Love's head. And by the end of that game, we could already see the wheels were off the rails and things were going to go bad. And then you get the Alabama game, and it just continues to spiral downward. And we leave the PK-85, and we say, oh, my God. This is not good. So if anything, let's not repeat the past. That's that's the big thing. That's the big concern with this team. Everything is smooth sailing so far. They've dominated these games. And the best part about it, even though they have dominated these games, the mass media, the media at large, the field of 68 and beyond, they're all saying Carolina still stinks. You know what I mean? That, that's been their reaction. Baycott, these are, you know, 20 and 20. Who cares? You know, they, they just, you know, they, they, they stick, stick up their nose at it. They don't like it. That's the good news. We're not buying into the hype. Carolina football, mm -hmm. when they buy in the hype, everything goes bad, right? So Carolina basketball so far has not bought into the hype. They've looked really well. We are legit 10 deep, which I, I can say that, uh, you know, is impressive. And I think at, one, at some point in the season, Paxson Wojcik might be the 10th man. You know what I mean? And right now he's a starter. So that's mm -hmm. how good and deep this team is. I, I'm excited about the team, but just don't let it go off the rails by losing to Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa is such a trap game. Yep. It's in the Bahamas. Uh, you're playing in a ballroom. Carolina's lost in the Bahamas to Butler with Chris Holtman in 2014. Like They've had their mishaps there. So I, I just wanted to say that. My concern is that everything's going a little too smooth so far, and we're all hunky-dory, and we're all having a good time, and we're beating the hell out of every, everybody. But Northern Iowa, trap game right in front of our very eyes. And guess what, folks? They have a 6'11 guy on their team. When Armando goes up against anybody over 6'10 that's not named Hunter Dickinson, he tends to have trouble, um, unfortunately for us. So I, I am very concerned about that matchup. So those are my concerns. It's not from what I've seen. It's just trying to forecast what's in our future. And mm -hmm. that is what I'm very worried about because it's it's been a little too um, calm to start the season. That's what I'll say. Yeah, as far as that Northern Iowa game and in the Bahamas as well, um, I do think this is like one of those areas where having Marcus Page on the staff actually helps. And don't get me I wrong, this is – this is no no shot against Marcus Page. I like I'm I know he's been he's very highly thought of in, in the coaching world and everything. Uh I think as a whole, my stance is just like I would prefer for Hubert to round out his staff with, you know, not just UNC guys, like bring in some X's and O's savant types or something, um, to where I wasn't ready to be like, Oh yeah, Marcus Page, game changer. But at least like he's been part of a team that lost to Northern Iowa and he was on that team that got clapped by Butler in the Bahamas. Like you got to think at least having a young guy in there who can maybe give these players some advice, tell them not to look ahead and to to treat this Northern Iowa team like a legitimate threat will help. Um of course, you know, you got to think that the guys are would hopefully already be thinking that, like you said, Tate, with how the, the PK-85 went last season and even the year before in the Mohegan Sun of dropping both those games. But, J.K., is there any thoughts you had of, after this Riverside game or Tell anything you like that? Tell oh. us, you're, you're positive. <laughs> I need the positivity. I want to buy All right, so <laughs> I am. Like, I feel good, but, dude, the shooting is, mm -hmm. is an issue. Like, 28%. You bring in Cormac and Paxson. Cormac is shooting 21%, albeit he's getting decent looks. Like, they got to start falling eventually, though. doesn't matter. And then Paxson, I, I texted Riley this, is the dude ever going to shoot more than two shots in a game? Like, he looks like he is scared 
out of his mind when he's on the court. Like he doesn't want to shoot and he's shooting 33%. And that's only because he's probably only taken four threes or five threes the entire year. So it's like, I, I don't know, man, it, the shooting is a concern. Um, it was nice to see a defensive performance against Riverside. Like usually the, the mid major guard who averages like 18 points has a field day against UNC. And we kind of already saw it in the first two games, but I mean, it's, they, they played really good defense on Barrington. He went four of 13. He was playing well, albeit he's young, but the other concern is like, Loving what I see from Harrison Ingram. And I was telling Riley this. I need that dude to show me some creativity on attacking a closeout. The man does the same thing every time. And when we start playing, you know, in Atlantis, when we start playing Tennessee, when we start playing Kentucky, we get into conference play, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to show me some versatility. Like it can't be receive the ball in the corner or on the wing, and you're just you're not even thinking shot. It's like immediate quick step trying to get downhill. And I know you have size on these mid-major guys, but when you start playing those guys, it's it's going to be a little different. So I kind of want to see Harrison Ingram just a little more, I guess, fearless and a little more loose in the offense. Other than that, I mean, I want to be positive because they are getting good looks. But like, dude, at some point, make the shots. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a very fair point. I mean, Cormac is, is definitely got to be that guy for them. He's got to be a shot maker and a shot taker, no doubt about it. He's the leader of this team, which is kind of crazy to say. I like Harrison Ingram at the end of shot clock. He's not afraid to get the basketball and to drive and to create his own shot. It's nice to have that. It doesn't feel like last year it was pass it all around the, you know, the, the circle, and then we find Caleb Love, and he throws up a grenade at the end of the shot clock, and we all you know go, what the hell was that? You know what I mean? I almost felt bad for Caleb at times. But it does feel mm -hmm. like if Harrison gets it, he can create his own shot. Um, it does hurt that you get out-rebounded by UC Riverside. I mean, these are the things that I look at where it's like yeah. how – in a world where Armando Baycott, you know what I mean, look up and he has 12 rebounds, you know, you get out-rebounded by UC Riverside. And you, you mentioned it. They are a Big West team, so they were better competition. But um, that's something that, to flag in general. And then I do think they have to figure out the starting lineup because you can't do this, like, let's put out the guys that have earned it in practice and then we get down early in a game and then we start playing the better players. They have to figure it out. And I do think, at the end of the day, the best version of this team is probably Cadeau at the point guard, right. probably Corey. Mac at the shooting guard position, probably Jalen Withers for the athleticism on the wing at the three, probably Ingram as a small ball four, and probably Baycott at the five. And that leaves a guy in RJ Davis out of the mix. You know what I mean? Because RJ has become such a gunner as a scorer that he's not initiating offense and creating opportunities for other people. And if he continues to play with blinders on, he's going to have to come off the bench and just be a scorer and be a gunner. You know what I mean? And be like a Lou Williams type. And I think that decision will never be made. So now you have the same kind of situation where Hubert's got to play, you know, favorites. I mean, it, it happened with Roy Williams with, you know, Dayron Sharp and Walker Kessler. It's like Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott have earned these minutes. Well, okay, that's fair and all. But when the whole team knows the other two guys are better, it creates friction and, it, and a team can fall apart. I like that they're close. I do. I like that they all like each other. So maybe it doesn't boil up and... Cadeau seems content to come off the bench, but he's the best point guard on the team. There's no doubt about it. And he makes Armando's life easier. He'll make Cormac's life easier. He'll make Harrison Ingram's life easier. And RJ and him cannot play, I don't think, as one and two. I just don't think they're big enough. So, I, I mean, there, there, there are still a lot more questions than answers with this team. And I think, if anything, going to the Bahamas, we're going to have to see some of those questions tested, and we'll see what happens. Tate, I gotta push back, man. RJ's not RJ can't come off the bench. He's, well, he's of course, of course, <laughs> but he's of course he can't. That's why I said you, you can't make the tough decision. Like you know I know, I mean? but that's that's the problem with Carolina basketball right now. You know what I mean? We we all have to placate, you know, the the people as opposed to the basketball. And poor Hubert Davis is in the middle of it, and he had to do it last year because Caleb had Drew Hanlon and Jason Tatum's camp saying you got to be the point guard, and then he comes in and RJ's like. I was the point guard when we were good last year. Do you remember this? And Caleb's like, I remember I hit the shot. <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and, that's, and that's what it was. You know what I mean? That was the standoff between them. So, And now you have a guy who's a better true point guard playing behind him that the fan base is excited about. Now you create – you know what I mean? It's just – Yeah, I mean, my, it's my thing – It's tough. My thing and is can he play the two? No, he can't. So he yeah. can't be the shooting guard. 
So you've just created, now we have another situation. That's what I'm concerned about with this team. I just think that there's going to be conversations to be had about the, the starting lineup throughout the year. And I do wish that it was more settled. And I mm -hmm. like the 10 guys. And, and sometimes we, it's, it's when you have too many guys, you need a seven-man rotation. We have a 10-man rotation. So mm -hmm. he's yeah, got a lot to figure out. I feel bad for him. With RJ, I just think like his ability to get a bucket. I mean, he's proven it, proven it on the biggest stage. Like, right? He's he's had flashes, you know, where he's gotten teammates involved and everything. I don't know. I I think he can, they can do it. He can do it when, when RJ is yeah. playing his best, like he did. You know, the end of February or mid February to the end of the season, twenty twenty two. That was RJ at his best. He was taking right. what the defense gave him. He was creating a shot if he needed to. He was initiating the offense. He was starting the break. It was it was great, and I don't know if it was a little bit of Caleb that rubbed off on him, but he has had some moments so far this season where Cormac is wide open, or Harrison is wide open, or even Armando, and he has just taken a shot with blinders on, and and mm -hmm. it's and it hurts my heart because I I don't want that to be the case, but maybe Cadeau yeah. will push him to play a different way. Let's hope. Yeah, Not going yeah so I'm kind of in the middle about it because my my issue is like I was so excited. No offense, I have to say this every time because I don't want it to be a shit on Caleb Love podcast, but I was excited for an actual offense to be ran. Like, there's no more Caleb Love. There shouldn't be the shot chucking. The issue that I have now is I think RJ is now just Caleb Love. Like, when he looks good, it's really, really good. But, like, even in the Riverside game, obviously that's against bad competition – one of seven from three, three of 11 from the field, four assists, fine, whatever. But I, it's like, I'm not going to say to bench him just because I do think that. No, I'm not saying to bench him. I'm just saying you've created a situation now where you have the better point guard coming off the bench. And now you're going to have to make like Paxton Wojcik's playing four minutes of the game, right? And then he's coming out of the game yeah. for us to put in Withers or, or Washington, which mm -hmm. I think Jalen Washington's looked great as well. Um, but in the Lehigh game, RJ has zero assists. Elliot Cadeau has one assist. Seth Trimble had the most assists on the team. So Seth needs to be playing as well, and Seth's the best perimeter defender that they have. So they, it just feels like I wish we could, we could take RJ's offense and Seth's defense and mold them into one player because mm -hmm. he would be the best point guard in the country. <laughs> He'd probably yeah. win the Cooley Award. And that, yeah, with, now you got to figure out the minutes between these guys. I mean, I'm, I just I'm not going to lie. I think every guy on the bench I would rather have in the lineup than Paxson right now. It's going to be he honest. He could end up being the tenth guy on. The, he could end up being the tenth guy, which is it's nice to have that depth. And Paxson is a plus player. I think he, mm -hmm. I think he can impact the game in a good way. And I think he's a good locker room guy. I think there's a lot of a lot of pluses. Like I said, he's winning in practice to be able to be a starter. But eventually, we play an SEC team, right? Like a Tennessee, and Dalton Connect is you know going off for 15 points in the first yes. half. And we're like, who are we going to put on this guy? Yeah. It's probably going to have to be Withers, right? You know what I mean? Or maybe Harrison Ingram. Who knows? Yeah, that's a – I mean, I I think, like, you you mentioned Withers at the three. I don't I don't know. I, I like buy Withers from a splashy play perspective. Like, the blocks, obviously, that we saw against Riverside were tremendous, and he's an athlete and everything. But he misses a lot of box outs. He'll lose his man off ball. Like, I think his role in, in like a 15 to 17 minute game is perfect. Um, yeah. where he and I, I don't, I, I don't think we had any like, I don't think Hubert had any Jalen Withers post ISOs against Riverside, which was good. Like, that's not his game. Yeah, <laughs> and he had a couple know. against Lehigh. Like, if he can stand in the corner, pick and pop, block shots, like for 15 to 20 minutes, that's perfect for him. But I, I was even going to say, like, I I thought some of those rotations looked pretty good against Riverside. Like one of my biggest encouragements was we saw extended playing time with Cadeau, RJ Cormack, Ingram, and Armando in the first half, which I sort of think that's going to ultimately be the the starting lineup, which, you know, it's going to have those size limitations in the backcourt. But at the same time, if we see Carolina turn to that full court press that they did or actually blitz ball screens, like when they were blitzing ball screens, I'm like, man, has UNC done this at all under Hubert? Like, when they've been up, when they've had a lead, like I really don't think they have. And it was awesome to see. Um, and I think that's, you know, I'm not like an X's and O's or coaching guru by any, sh any like measure, but it just seems logical to me that when you have a small backcourt and you lack size and athleticism on the perimeter, you make up for it by being feisty. It's almost like what, um, like that Iowa team with Keegan Murray, that was like awful on defense. They figured something out when they started pressing a little bit. 
Yeah, will Hubert press, though? I mean, that's the question. And if he does, I think that's a great point. That's what he mm-hmm. should do because then it picks up the pace. Now you're getting in you know, transition. You got the secondary break. I mean, that is the best version of Carolina basketball. And if you have Trimble behind these guys, you have some depth to help them out because I think Seth should be playing. I do think Seth yeah, I agree. playing some good basketball. And he's connected. He's getting guys involved. He's obviously a great defender, especially on ball. So, um, if Hubert will do it, that that's really the, that's why this year I think is going to come down to like, this is going to have to take a good coaching effort because mm-hmm. you have a lot of pieces that are interesting, right? Like you can argue Jalen Washington should be out there, you know, Trimble could know whoever it is, but like Hubert's got to figure out the minutes. And I think every game is going to be a different journey. It's all going to be matchup based. So it's going to be a lot of, we can't script things out. We're going to have to react and right. be proactive as much as possible. So I, I hope he does it, and uh, and I think he can do it. And I know a lot of the you know the UNC proper people are down on Hubert, but um, at the end of the day, Pat Riley and Michael Jordan were his recommendations. So how can you say no to a guy that had those recommendations? And he is a Carolina guy, and I, I think this is a good test for him. To be honest, yeah. I mean they have the talent; they do have the talent, which is good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Yeah, absolutely. And we can use that to transition into a little Atlantis preview. I know we were talking about how so far under under Hubert's tenure, this isn't meant as a shot at him, just stating facts like uh, the one and two finish in, in uh, Oregon last year. The 0-2 finish at Mohegan Sun before. It's something that I think Carolina fans would just feel a ton of relief if if UNC can even go two and one in this in this tournament. Like they don't even have to win it, just go two and one and don't lose to Northern Iowa. And I think the fan base will feel a lot better. But uh, uh Jacob, as you as you look at this field, what matchup are you most intrigued by that UNC could even have? Like that that we we could see the Tar Heels face. Well, we were talking about it before. We hit the record button. Um, I will say my thoughts on the field would have changed completely. Me and you talked about our non-con predictions, and we were kind of scared 
of Villanova. We were kind of scared of Arkansas. Well, Villanova is good, not unbeatable, and Arkansas still has a lot to figure out. Like they haven't figured out how to re- how to unleash Trevin Brazil yet. Like they have a lot of issues. Um, I mean, you lose to Greensboro, and they didn't just lose to Greensboro. Greensboro pretty much commanded the entire second half. So I mean. I'm not as scared of them. I, I think from a from a I want to see what UNC is made of standpoint, I would be most intrigued to see us. We're not going to handle Northern Iowa, but just win comfortably. Like don't you're not going to beat them by thirty, but just have a game where you're not down. You stay up by five to eight points. You probably win by ten in the end, and then I would be intrigued for it to go Villanova, and then hopefully win that game and play Arkansas simply because I want to be tested because we come out of this and go straight to Tennessee. And that's going to be hell if we're not tested before that game. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. How about you Tate? What, which, uh, which matchups are you, uh, you know, particularly interested in seeing or even think would bode favorably for UNC? Yeah, I think, you know, handle Northern Iowa, they should. Uh, I like the Marcus Page angle. That's a great point. He lost to them, and he lost in the Bahamas. So we got he's two for two there. He doesn't want the third strike. And Marcus Page, <laughs> man, so Marcus Page, he knows what's up. Um, I think it would be good PR to beat Villanova. I think it would just be nice because uh, Kyle Neptune and Hubert Davis are kind of in a similar boat where they're following right. legends. The fan bases are iffy on them already. They've had mm-hmm. some moments, but in general, fans are just like, this isn't what it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? That's just kind of like the general thesis of what's going on there. So beating Villanova would be good PR. Um, also be good for college basketball to see those teams play each other. I like that. Um, Michigan-Memphis is going to be a hell of a game. I know Michigan just lost, um, but I think Phil Martelli is a great coach. I think Penny has got a really good team. Um, so I think Memphis, if they're able to sneak by Michigan, uh, Memphis, Arkansas, I think that's a fun matchup. I think Arkansas is still figuring it out. They almost have a similar problem I was talking about. They have too many pieces, and Musselman's mm-hmm. like, I don't know who the hell is supposed to be getting minutes right now. i got to figure it out. They don't have as much talent as last year, but they have the same problem where they have too many pieces, and that's because they recruited 100 guys in the transfer portal. <laughs> so um, it, that's what happens when you do that. Uh, but Memphis-Arkansas will be a fun showdown. I'll take Memphis there just because why not? I like Penny Hardaway. And I like this team. And I think that they, I mean, they're all 24 years old. So I just think mm-hmm. they're older. I think that they understand how to play. Quinterly is like a nice piece for them, knows how to win. So uh, Memphis Carolina championship game, that's a very winnable game. They should win that game. And if Carolina can win a tournament, even if it is just the battle for Atlantis, but if they can win a tournament, I just think that would just slowly get everybody back into believing about, you know, what this team could potentially be. But yeah. like I said, the best case scenario is or the worst case scenario is to lose to Northern Iowa and then everybody is like hands in the air, it's over. You know, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So uh but if we get a matchup Carolina in the title game against a winnable Memphis team or or an Arkansas team that's reeling a little bit, um, that would be great. But I wouldn't I wouldn't trust Carolina going up against Arkansas in the championship game. Hey, I said this to Riley. L Ellis PTSD man's going to drop 40. If we play Ellis goes off, Brazil's throwing down like lobs, like windmill lobs, like from behind his head, like he's Robert Williams, you know what I mean? But, oh gosh. You, know <laughs> you want to talk about PTSD? Yeah. That's, oh, that's what I could see in the future. But like you said, it would get them prepared for Tennessee, but I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know if anything could prepare them for Tennessee's defense. Uh, to yeah. So we'll see. No, I mean, or Arkansas, Arkansas from the connect. start. Yeah, right. Connects the problem. But Arkansas from the start has been the team that like most scared me in this field just because of like the length and athleticism advantage. You know, it's not just Brazil in the front court. They have Tremont Mark, who is comes yeah. from the Houston system. You know, he's a great perimeter defender who's got length. Um, even someone like Chandler Lawson, who's a 10 minute a game guy for them, has length and can guard multiple positions. Like I, I am feeling better about UNC's chances just after seeing you know, it wasn't just the the Greensboro loss. Arkansas struggled against Old Dominion. Old Dominion was in that game till the last two minutes, and Gardner Webb stuck with them for a half too. Um, like that, like it, it kind of just depends on what is what's Musselman's tactic at this point. Is Musselman coming into this tournament trying to win it? Because I think if he is, and he shortens the rotation, I mean, he's. Let me think. Am I forgetting? I think he's the best coach in this field. 
it's probably the coach I would most want in a three day stretch to find the best matchups. Yeah. You'd probably argue Musselman or Martelli, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Martelli's a beast. I I mean, that's why Memphis going up against Michigan is actually a bad draw for them. Cause I can, Mm -hmm. I can see them going down the losers bracket just by losing to Michigan in the first game. And then Martelli versus, you know, Hubert would be a a tough matchup. I mean, he just kind of like outsmarted Patino and MSG about a week ago. So um, uh, Michigan's a a scary team, but I mean, Carolina, the way that this bracket is set up, they set it up for Carolina to go to the championship game. Yeah. I mean, it is a nice path to the title game. So if you handle your business as you should, they will be the favorite in both those games, whether it's Texas tech or Villanova and Northern Iowa, they should have a path to the championship game. And if you lose in the championship game, you at least can, you know, you can deal with that more so than, you know, losing on the way. So, right. Right. Yeah. You come home, you'll still be ranked on Monday. You're feeling okay. And you get ready for the rest of the slate. Uh, How do we I feel will... about number 14, by the way, quickly. No, just... I was literally just about to say <laughs> that. High. I hate Too that high. they moved into the top 15. Yeah. I don't yeah, like that either. Right. Especially over Alabama and Kentucky. Alabama no. scoring like a hundred points a game. Uh, like respectfully to UNC, Kentucky is better right now. And they don't even have centers. Yeah, I I thought when when I saw that number, I was like, they're just setting us up for slaughter, you know what I mean? So that it looks oh, better. It's like you know, number fourteen, North Carolina falls to insert team, you know what I mean? That's that's that was a that was a move by the AP, I feel like, but uh, <laughs> they live up to the billing. We'll and it's going to be worse too, because guess what? If they win Atlantis, then we have to deal with like top eight. Okay, yeah. I'd be kind of hype about that. You and would then, see then- like. That would then be the latest. Back. Yeah, right, right. Now, now I'm talking my shit. You know what I mean? If Carolina's yeah. top 10, I'm talking my shit. That's just it's going to be crazy. I don't care if I believe in them or not. I'm talking my <laughs> shit. If that were to happen, and then there is a chance, I mean, I would I would lean Purdue, but the chance that Tennessee wins Maui, if you were to have the Maui winner, the Atlantis winner, in the ACC-SEC challenge, you'd probably right. have like number two versus number seven. That would be oh, man. nuts. That'd be hype. And playing at home and an opportunity to knock them off. Now you're talking oh. top five. I mean, that's what Carolina has. I mean, that's that's on the table if they just show up and play like they should. Like, Armando yeah. Bacot should be good enough to get them to that championship game. R.J. Davis should be good enough to get them to that championship game. That that ten guy, Those ten guys should be able to do that. And our staff should be able to do that. And I think that they, last year, I think taught a lot of them a lesson. I really do believe mm-hmm. that. So I'm hoping that I, that that is true and they, they can just, you know, get the job done. That's all you got to do. Just show up, get the job done, make the right play. And we move on. You know what I mean? And now, mm-hmm. now your top five team in the country come December and, and the, and let the chips fall from there. You know what I mean? But at least you got a little bit of momentum for the program where people are like, not pressing the panic button saying they need to go hire Billy Donovan, you know, like that's right. So we need, we need people to chill on that and let Hubert, you know, be himself and grow into it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what we want. That's what's going to suck is by the time we play Kentucky, let's say things go really right. And you only have one loss. I'm giving respect to Tennessee and UConn there. I mean, neither one of those would be a bad loss anyway. So I just know how this goes by then the NCAA is going to be like, Oh, Big Z, go ahead and get in there, man. You're eligible now. Oh, and then yeah. it's like, everyone's going to be back. And I just had to watch the Hunter Dickinson PR parade for going 20 and 20 against a team whose tallest player was Trey Mitchell. And Armando is going to have to go against three seven-footers. And he, if he, he'll, he'll get 20 and 15, let's say, and no one's going to say shit about it. It's going <laughs> to piss me off. That's fair. That's a very fair point. I mean, Hunter Dickinson's hey. got like the media by the balls. Uh, I, I don't know. They all say they hate him, but then they talk about him so glowingly. So I, I don't really know how that works. They obviously love him. They just don't want to admit it. Um, yeah, Armando, I, I like that he at least has some sort of insurance with Zayden High. And I think Zayden High talks about I love Zayden High, man. <laughs> He's so awesome. great. He talks like, I mean, he's not afraid. I mean, he, he like gets to people's face. We need a little bit of like, uh, you know, F you on this team. So I, right. I like being high and I like that he plays behind Baycott because Baycott is very passe. You know what I mean? He's very mm-hmm. like, you know, very chill, laid back. You know what I mean? So it's nice that we have someone behind him that if the, he does go against three, seven footers, we got somebody to throw in there to at least, you know, ruffle some feathers, which is what they need. They need somebody like that on this team. Yeah. Even going back to this summer, I heard from someone close to the program, like, uh, in the within a week of coming on campus, Zayden High was already talking trash to like all the veterans in practice, and he wasn't even making shots because you know he was sort of billed as like a, a stretch four, stretch five type. And if you look at his 
you know, high school numbers, AAU numbers. He's got a lot of work to do on the jumper, but has that upside at least. But like, apparently he wasn't even doing anything on offense, but was still not backing down, which I was like, oh yeah, this dude's going to be, you know, a fan favorite sooner or later. And I went to the Lehigh game. He was talking the whole time. I mean, like when he was on the court, he was talking the whole time. He's on the bench. He's talking. I'm like, this this is, they need somebody talking. You know, a lot of times RJ is just silent out there. So like you need somebody to, to force people to talk. That's what makes, how does UNC become the only program in the history of college basketball to get the one hard-nosed short guard from New York that isn't an absolute psychopath on the basketball court. Yeah. I think you're selling RJ short. I think you're selling RJ short. No, no, listen, listen. RJ does it with his game. Yeah. I've I've never seen RJ, like, chirp. Like, I I need to see some, like – He might. He might. Caleb Love was the chirper. Yeah, yeah. And to, a, RJ to, to a fault at times, to a fault at times. You yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes we're like, Caleb, not now. We do, we, <laughs> we're still down 12. <laughs> That's the fact that not get us 15 points, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, he never changes, though. To see it, to see him do the same thing in an Arizona uniform was just, oh. Yeah. I'm happy for Caleb. You like when both sides win in the end, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think in a good spot i think coach rob is happy to have him under his wing i think he's kind of a roy williams guy anyway so right um, you know and coach rob is a roy guy too so it i all, mean it we all, saw that you know with caleb dapping up roy like every game he ran into the tunnel loved yeah. it man I'm, I, well roy, roy believed roy was like this guy has so much talent he just has to like just play the right way right <laughs> yeah he was like i'm gonna play the caleb way and we're all like <laughs> It's a little, little, mixed, little, little mixed bag there. <laughs> All right, I'm going to bring us back in, and let's make some Battle for Atlanta uh, some predictions, get back get back to the previews, and then I'll close us down with our final. We do a segment called Four Corners. I'll explain afterwards. But, um, yeah, who do you – let's go. Who do you think is going to win the tournament? Who do you think they beat? And then give a bold one on top of that. Jacob, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I do think UNC makes the championship, like, at least. They're gonna make it. I do think I do think that they will play Arkansas. Um, I'm not sure who wins that game. I'm gonna stay positive and honestly say that I do think UNC will win Atlantis. I just think that I do think people are selling I think it's the the opposite of what it should be. Like UNC's been playing you know, mid-major opponents. So you're thinking, oh, they're going to come in. They're not going to be prepped. But I actually think it's the opposite effect where teams are going to be like, oh, UNC is really not that good. They've played three mid-major opponents. They might not come in as fired up. I know it's UNC, so you'd think everyone would be fired up to play them. But the only team I'd be worried about really coming in guns a-blazing would be Villanova because of the history. But that's like the one coach in this field that I think Hubert can help coach. So, I mean, it's, I'm not too worried about that. I think they beat Arkansas in the title game. Bold prediction though. The way that Doug McDaniel has looked, Mm. it would not surprise me if Michigan has a little bit of tournament magic and we get a full Jordan brand Atlantis championship. That's a, yeah, that's my prediction. I'm picking Michigan over UNC in the title game. You can maybe say that's a reverse jinx by picking Michigan, but <laughs> it's going to be a game that gets into the 90s. Doug McDaniel versus RJ, uh, going to be scenes. Maybe we get an Elliott Cadeau breakout in one of those games. That would be that would be special. I would love to see Elliott have like a 17 and 6 game against Michigan and like go toe to toe with Doug McDaniel and play close to 30 minutes a game. But yeah, I'll, I'll take Michigan slight edge in, in an offensive shootout against UNC. Uh, my bold prediction with this is going to be Arkansas loses two games and people really push the panic button with the must bus. It starts to get a little bit less like, oh, this is just what must does. This is what Arkansas does in the non-conference and more so like, oh, we might really be bad. Like the hogs really might be out of this and that, you know, exhibition game against Purdue feels like eons ago and just seems like a mirage basically. Yeah, I uh, I like that. I like that uh, Arkansas is kind of like on the panic button scale right there for you. I also like the idea of them falling off uh, the rails and then beating Duke at home, and that gets them oh. back to the rails. You know what I mean? That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Like they're everyone thinks they suck, and then they beat Duke, and then everyone's excited again. Um, that would be fun. Yeah, I I'm gonna be positive. I think Carolina should and will win the battle for Atlantis. I think it's it's perfectly set up for them at the top of the bracket. They literally just have to handle business and play 
uh, a reasonable game. They don't even have to play their best game, uh, I don't think, to get to the title game. And then once they get there, I do think Michigan will be the team that they face. And I do think that I'm not going to placate the Big Ten anymore. I'm not going to be nice and say, oh, the Big Ten would beat Carolina. Because you know what the Big Ten does? They choke in title games. That's what they're known for. So let's go again. Let's go ahead and say it. Um, I hope the rest of the field of 68 is listening to this. Um, ACC, <laughs> we're back. Uh, no, I, I think North Carolina gets there and it gets the job done. And we get a little bit of hope and a glimmer uh, in, in the sun. And then Tennessee comes to town and we deal with that. And, uh, you know, that kind of knocks us off a little bit. And then you can go and play Connecticut that probably knocks us down a little bit more but at least we had our moment in the sun at the start of the season around thanksgiving so heels beat michigan let's say by 12 points and they hey. win the hole. anything three it. or less losses in the non-con i will be ecstatic because this is a pretty brutal non-con you got to win this tournament to, to keep the bubble boys at bay you have to win this tournament because it oh. is it cannot be laid out more perfectly for them to go to the championship game at the very least and if they mess it up I can't defend them anymore. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm just going to let it be. Then, 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 <laughs> yeah. then it's done. I'll leave it's it alone. It's tough. I mean, I agree with you because if they don't win, they lose a game. Then you're looking at Tennessee, UConn, Kentucky, even Oklahoma is not an easy game. Like yeah. it, it, it goes bad fast. <laughs> it goes bad fast. And the way that the ACC is discussed, like at large nationally, like winning ACC games is not going to do you any favor. Even though the ACC has looked okay, other mm -hmm. than the bottom bottom of the ACC, I think they've been you know faring well as far as like national competition. Um, it just doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't. Re regardless, the Big Ten will have eight teams in, and the ACC will have five. So we this just have to. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, Big Ten's awful this year. The Big Ten I, sucks. Although I just looked at the score, and when we started recording, Syracuse was in within striking distance, and they got blown out by Tennessee. <laughs> but... That's because <laughs> let me like Tennessee is like see. Okay, this sounds so incredibly idiotic, but I'm gonna say it anyways. Tennessee being this good at offense makes me feel a bit better about the game because they don't like. They were a little scarier in terms of a matchup against North Carolina to me when they did play sloppy because they played so slow. It was impossible to get out in transition. I mean, I watched Wisconsin score 80 points on this team. Like, mm -hmm. if Wisconsin can score 80, UNC can definitely score 80. And it's literally just going to come down to defense. Like, mm -hmm. at this point, and just throw a double at Dalton Connect every time he touches the ball. I mean, Jesus, that dude is That's pretty much their offense. I mean, they're just like give it to him at the end of the shot clock and let him and let him cook. Shot. He's pretty good. He's yeah. nuts. Yeah, he's yeah. like the perfect thing that they needed. So that was that was great transfer portal uh, addition right there by our guy Rick Barnes. So yeah. yeah, Tennessee's scary. I think Tennessee's top five in the country. So I'm I'm with you on that. But all right, I'll, I'll close this out with our four corner segment and take what we usually do for this. We usually just pick like any random number of topics could be basketball related, could be not could be something else. Uh, the only thing is, it's, it just usually involves answering four questions or selecting four choices and some some topic or anything of that of that right. nature. But uh, so for today's four corners. I know you're a sneaker guy. You have this lovely uh, this background, some frame, some frame photographs behind you. I wanted to get your top four Jordan silhouettes. 
Well, me personally, I'm a Jordan 11 guy. Um, that was like what I wore when I played. I love the the fit of the shoe. I always felt like I was like in a moon shoe when I was a kid. I just always felt so comfortable. And it was like the perfect, I don't know, it just catches your eye in the best way possible. I like the Concord Grays. That's why I love Theo Pinson. I was like, one, I was there when Theo committed to Carolina. Everyone thought he was going to commit to Georgetown or Indiana. And he was like, I'm staying at home and I'm going to play for Carolina. His coach, Keith Gatlin, was a famous Maryland coach where a lot of people thought that, you know, he wasn't going to go to Carolina. So like Dio wearing the, the Concord gray 11s, that's number one. Uh, I think the second one would probably be the Jordan one as basic as it is. It's still the best. And, uh, you know, I just feel like anytime you're in a, whatever version of the Jordan one, you know what I mean? It, whatever, whatever, whatever floats your boat, the original, um, the all white, you know, there's, there's a lot of iterations, but the Jordan one is always nice. Um, and then from there, in the Jordan world, um, you know, I pretty much strictly keep it to Jordan 11, Jordan 1. Um, but the Jordan 3s are like the – I have a bunch of – I have three pairs of Jordan 3s that uh, just I got over time. And it feels like the white guys love the Jordan 3s. You know what I mean? Like the hipster white guy in Brooklyn. He's like, uh, give me give me 15. True them. blue 3s, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. That's just – that's what they go for. So I'll say that just to placate the audience. Uh and then the fourth one is probably the the seven. Um, I mean, that's my favorite number. It was the number I wore in every sport I played in. Um, and I, I I feel like the sevens don't get enough respect. You know what I mean? Mm. So uh, I'm not really like a picky person, other than the eleven, the Concord Grays. Like I don't have like a favorite version of it. I you know mm -hmm. you mentioned the silhouettes. So like, I, but I think for me it's like eleven, one, three to placate the audience, and seven for my heart. So there you go. Those are my four. I was not expecting sevens to make an appearance. Those yeah, are seven, like oh. seven, sevens don't get the love. You know I don't, I'm not a big Listen, sevens you, guy. I, you started off so well, like 11 and one <laughs> is perfect. The, the top I mean, but everybody pairs, says 11, 11 and ones are like into undisputable though. Undisputable. The top two Anything pairs is a joke. You know what I mean? That's like once Tinker Hadfield's out of the equation, it doesn't count anymore. I mean, I like the 31, 32, 33, like the, the reimagining of the, of the one, two and three. I think they did a good job with that. I like some of the, you know, the, the Luca twos I liked, you know what I mean? Like Jordan brand itself is they try, they're trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? But I'm one of those people that as soon as everybody's like on top of something, it makes me not like it. And I don't like that about myself. So I try to stay away from it. But I think that's why I like saying the sevens. Cause I'm just like, I don't ever see anyone wearing sevens and mm -hmm. Michael Jordan rocked the sevens, the hair Jordans. I mean, the hair Jordans are sick and the Olympic sevens. I'll give you that. Yeah, but. Right. So there you go. The JK, snub of the fours is just okay. Crazy I think, I think fours have to be included. Look, fours because are all right, I'll, I'll tell fours. you like, just, it, this is biased for my personal rotation. I have three pairs of 11s. I have Legend Blues. Hey, I got the Legend Blues too. I love them. The Iridescence and Concords. Love all right. three of them. Then the second pair or the second silhouette in my rotation, obviously for me as a Celtics fan, is the pine green one. It goes with all the Celtics gear. It's perfect. Then number three for me in silhouettes is my cool gray fours. So I have to put the fours in there. Love the cool gray fours. Hard to and be then, any cool grays. You know yeah, I mean? it, yeah. That colorway is just, nice. I don't even think it matters. Like you could literally put that colorway on like a straight up rectangle and I'd still be like, oh, that's fire. hundred <laughs> percent. Hey, I think the, you mentioned the iridescent 11s. Those are so slept on. I know they look a little bit like the Concords. And I think that's why people like them, but yeah, I love the iridescent 11s, but yeah, for me, I had the 11s, ones, fours for that fourth spot. I think sixes could make a, a case i love a lot of the, like the carmine sixes yeah um i think the eights that maybe the eights like i don't have a pair of eights um that's like on, on the wish list maybe the aqua eight is an iconic jordan so it's like i get it the yeah. eights might be like my equivalent of the sevens where it's just like people maybe hate on the little straight jacket type design but i think i think the eights are pretty underrated yeah. See, I'm I, like that with I, the I just box. love that we all know about Jordans, you know what I mean? Like when, in Henderson, North Carolina, nobody knew anything about my like Jordan shoes at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're just like, what the hell do you have on? And I'm like, yeah, these are Jordan 11. <laughs> like, Jordan what? Jordan, Jordan, like Michael Jordan? Yes, Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh, yeah, but now it's like, now it's like hip, you know what I mean? Like you go to a meeting in Los Angeles now, you like go to like Wasserman, like an agency or something, and it's like, you know, three of the five people in the room have Jordans on. It's uh, it's crazy that Michael Jordan made a basketball sneaker that like now is a like leisure, like mm -hmm. you know, people wear them to weddings now. It's 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 crazy. Like this guy, 
I don't know how he does it. It just keeps happening for him. Like Michael Jordan is undefeated. Like no matter what, like even when he says something as drunk as the ceiling is the roof, we all say this guy's a genius. Like, holy shit. Like, like let's, and, let's talk about this forever. Let's quote it. And you, you get a great podcast name six years later. So exactly. yeah. And then it, look, I will have to say, unfortunately, I do have to give Skip Bayless partial credit because that man's been doing the can't lose in these shoes with the suits for God knows how many years. <laughs> He's, he's hurting he's hurting the Jordan brand. He's the only person bringing down the Jordan brand um, while simultaneously promoting it. Uh, but I but look, Skip's fighting the good fight out there because like I don't want to spend my time watching LeBron end of game situations and breaking down why he is uh, is not better than Jordan. That sounds like a, a thankless job. So uh, shout out to Skip Bayless. He's hey. doing the Lord's work. JK, I don't even know if you know this. I don't know if I've shared. I'm a LeBron guy. I'm so, I'm sorry that might that might uh, not ingratiate me to most of our audience, but it's okay. <laughs> like you know, you you like what you watch and you like what you see. You know what I mean. The heart wants what it wants. Is yeah, right. Was that I, Demi Lovato who said that? Maybe, but don't I don't begrudge anybody for like having their own opinions on it. Nor do I. Nor would I spend my time getting red in the face arguing with someone about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's. Something I learned in like seventh grade when I had, you know, friends of mine that were Duke fans that were like, LeBron's already better than Michael Jordan. I'm like, okay, well, I'm never going to change that guy's opinion. Like, <laughs> let him live his life. That's what he thinks. Yeah. The, the SEO love is just, it's nuts. Like, all they do is talk about things that are going to look good on the search engine, and it's hilarious. Like, it'd be like me taking this episode and posting it, and, and the, the title is, UNC guy thinks LeBron is better than Jordan when we only talked about that for 30 seconds. So yeah. hey, I might have to do that, you know? Listen, <laughs> hey, we yeah. got to do it for the clicks. Well, that's <laughs> all we have today for the pot is a roof. Uh, go ahead and enjoy feast week. Enjoy Maui. Enjoy Atlantis. Enjoy the other ones that are happening. I know like Texas UConn later tonight, just a loaded slate. Best week of the year. Enjoy time of family as well. But I'm Riley Davis on behalf of Jacob Carabasas as well. We're off. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.